Hello and welcome to episode 5 of Down the Back of the Sofas, the podcast with Stephen Russ that embraces everything, not only the shiny new penny you found, but also the half-chewed toffee covered in fluff. Dallas, don't... <laughs> He's going to start. He's starting. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you haven't... Dallas, Dallas, shh, don't look at me like that. We are two friends who have known each other for 10 years and realised we do go on a bit about a geekdom and thought, let's record ourselves when it happens. So here we are. Hello Russ, how are you doing? I'm alright, thank you Steve. How are you? <laughs> if you? I'm good. If you hear from some strange squeaky noises, it's just Dallas, my cat, just meowing for no apparent reason. He's joining in. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he must be part of the show. <laughs> Oh dear, how long have you been since the last time we spoke? Yeah, okay, alright. Uh, luckily, the summer hasn't really set in too much, so the heat levels have been reasonably lowish, which is good for me. Um, not a heat person, as you know. And uh, yeah, don't sleep none too well at night when it gets hot as well, so luckily, it's not been too bad. It's not been too bad, good. How have good, you good. been? Yeah, alright, I, um, I upgraded my PC. Oh, Nice. Yes, I put in uh, an i7 oh, you did. processor. I did because I was getting such a jittery playback from uh, No Man's Sky and yeah. and all that sort of stuff that I thought no, I, that's the only thing because I upgraded the, the 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 RAM and the graphics card and I thought it's got to be the processor. And I've been so sort of hesitant in the past about doing something like that, and I just thought no. That's it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to go for it. Yeah, I know you were talking about so, it, but yeah, nice. Yeah, so it's it's really good now, and it's got me back into playing some really good VR games, hence uh, some of the bits and pieces we'll be talking about in this episode. So, good. But, um, good to hear. Yeah, really good. Uh, just a quick word that anything we talk about could well contain some major spoilers. So we will obviously introduce whatever we're talking about first. So if you haven't read it, played it, seen it, Please be careful that we may spoil it for you. <laughs> but we'll, it's not intentional. We don't mean to. It's not we'll intentional. Just be an accident. <laughs> okay, let's perch on the edge of our seat and discuss what's piqued our interest since our last episode in So Far So Good. I've got a couple of things for uh, so far so good that's uh, sort of piqued my interest um the video game deluxe company has been advertising a, a few job options to work on a triple a open world title for vr for rockstar oh really yes. no really yep it was put up and then the um sort of vr bit was taken down oh 
but definitely because <clears throat> they're the company that worked on the LA Noir uh, VR ah. case files, the game. So obviously Rockstar, I said that went well. We now want you to make another game for VR. Now it could be an existing game because obviously LA Noir was an existing game that they put into VR. So could we be looking at Red Dead Redemption? Ooh. GTA 4 or 5 Max Payne mm. Bully Manhunt even I like Manhunt or is it just going to be like an LA Noir 2 or could it be a new IP who knows Yeah, but it's really good news it's the fact that Rockstar are finally getting on board now <clears throat> if they do GTA 4 I'll be quite happy with that just yeah, just just get in there and do it. Five would be better. Maybe. I mean, jumping around with well, yeah, five would be better. But maybe you know, five is is, is obviously going to uh, PS five and obviously being redone. Yeah, and, you know, a couple more cars and a few more pedestrians, no doubt. But um, yeah, I mean, Max Payne. You don't know about that jumping around in slow motion. I don't know whether the how you know how good that would be for VR. But yeah, no, really looking forward to that. As I say, I've been banging on about a GTA in VR for quite a while, so fingers crossed. Nice. Fingers crossed. Um, another thing, uh, quite game-related, if I said war, war never changes. Does that ring a bell at all? I don't know if you've ever played these, but that's a very famous line that starts off a majority of the Fallout games. Oh. So that's setting up a post-apocalyptic... You know, the, the world where we, we've had nuclear war, but also a strange sort of different future where the 50s is still around. And it's, yeah. not, you know, the, the sort of microchip and stuff wasn't as big. It was more nuclear power yeah. that has been used to, to make robots and all the uh, sort of um, the technolo- techno- technological build yeah. of cars and, and buildings and stuff like that <clears throat> and uh, it's sort of set in like 2161 where the story sort of starts where you come out of these underground vaults that were built yeah. to save as many people as they could before the nuclear war and it's from the makers of Westworld and it's going to be an Amazon original TV series no really? yes because they've got um like a, a multiplayer online game called Fallout seventy six. Right. Um, you had because you had two flat RTS games. You yeah. had Fallout three in two thousand and eight, Fallout four in fifteen. Then you had um, Fallout Vegas. Yeah, and like you say, Fallout seventy six. So there's been quite a few games, and I think this has been on the back burners for a little while. But uh, the fact that it's now, I mean, it's going to be probably looked at and made next year so it might not be out until 2022 anyway right cool but i'm i'm well looking forward to that i love that the closest you could get to anything like that was the book of eli yeah with denzel washington that was quite a good yeah or the road that was quite a good post-apocalyptic sort of setting Uh, and and just as a quick quick side note you've also got hbo doing the last of us oh really so yeah Mm, so there's quite a lot coming up quite a lot coming up Okay, that's me done. I have a, a, a <laughs> couple of things. Um, so in August next month, 
Microsoft are releasing their new my flight simulator, flight simulator 2020. And if you haven't seen it, go on YouTube, look at some videos. It is like you're there. It, the map data that they've managed to get and the weather data is just, it's like you're, you're actually flying a real plane. It's unbelievable. But the company that's making it for Microsoft have come out and said that even though on release it won't be VR, it is on the very top of their priority list to add VR to it. So just imagine flying anywhere in the world in a plane in VR. That's just going to be nuts. That would be so cool. Did, can you, you can actually, cause didn't some chappy actually learn how to fly by playing one of these games? Yeah, yeah. Uh, is that how... I know, I know. <laughs> Learned in a simulator and then took lessons after that. But he had the sort of like the, the the basis or the grounding, if you like, of how to fly a plane by flying a simulator. <laughs> there, there, there was a program I can't remember what it was. I know they took a cross section of a lot of people, and the, one of them had to uh, literally. You was in a helicopter, oh. and obviously there was there was the, the proper pilot and, and they were sitting next to them but they would actually give them over the give over the controls for them to do a controlled hover right oh i remember and that nobody could do yes. it apart from the gamer yes who did it in games and yeah. it was like yes we saw <laughs> <laughs> i don't remember what it was on but i remember it i remember seeing it yeah, yeah, that was and, cool. and he was the only. I know was so impressed. I said I couldn't believe it because he literally he was there. He 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 knew what he was doing, yeah. and it was like right, let's go. Yeah. Oh, that's so that's definitely a game to watch out for. Um, to say releasing in in August, um, even from a non non VR perspective, it, it just still looks good. So yeah, check it out. You might be something you might be into. Yeah, you normally get quite a lot of expansion packs for that. As well, yeah, don't you? yeah, but they, they've, you know, they've they're boasting all... that they've managed to like you can fly, fly anywhere in the world they've mapped the whole world and there's something like 40,000 um, airports they've managed to include as well so it's pretty big pretty I, I big. think I think the only thing that used to let that down and of course that's I mean when was the last one out I think it was when about was the last release 12 years ago I think I'm, I remember reading that's what uh, I mean. Process of power and PC power has come a long yeah. way because I always remember when you used to it used to look lovely when you was a certain height as you got down closer. Yeah, it looked pretty obviously rubbish. that's when it started yeah. to look a bit. Sort of but with picky, this new but... data they've got now, because nothing stored local, much is locally stored on the PC. You need a, a decent internet connection, but it's grabbing the data from like, servers and bringing it into the game, as you're flying around. Lovely. So, yeah, looks good. Can't wait. Can't wait. Um, the only other thing I would like to mention is. At the time of recording, tomorrow evening, Microsoft have their new Xbox Series X showcase. So we had the PS5 sh showcase back in June, which they finally unveiled the, the look of the machine, and everybody was very excited by the first-party games that they had coming out. But up until now, Microsoft have had a previous showcase, but it was only highlighting third-party games, and it didn't go down too well. So we're hoping that they're going to rectify that with this showcase tomorrow which is going to be first party titles and probably one of the biggest one they're going to be showcasing is going to be the new halo infinite game i can't wait to see that i think that's going to be great i've never really got i don't know why i've never really got into the halo games i think i was a bit oh, of a, yeah. a pc well i was a bit of a pc snob because yeah. the original halo was meant to be coming out on the pc yeah and it got delayed and delayed yeah. and suddenly it's oh no it's not coming out on the pc it's coming out on the xbox uh. it's like whoa hang on a minute <laughs> you know the pc game is here hello yeah 
and and it came out big, obviously big success on the Xbox, the original Xbox, and then another two years or whatever went by, and then suddenly it came out on the PC, yeah. and it was so old by then. Yeah, the it had been it. surpassed by so many other games, and that put me off. Yeah, and it wasn't, I think, until uh, Halo Three did I actually play it on an Xbox, and I thought this is good, but of course. I didn't have the oh wow this is number three I can't wait to oh I recognise yeah. that that's really good you, and, yeah. you know I, yeah I was playing so many other first person shooters that it didn't really capture me so when the yeah. so the first Halo launched with the first Xbox it kind of like they did a kind of like a bundle as well you could get it bundled in and no other Halo has ever then been launched with a following Xbox until this one so the Xbox Series X comes out. Holiday 2020, so we're kind of guessing around about late November, maybe early December, and the Halo Infinite game is going to be releasing at that exact same time as the console. Do we know? Is it a long game? Is it? Is it? A, I don't. No one's really knows anything about it. It's one of these ones where you know Microsoft being Microsoft, all kept under wraps, NDA, nothing's been leaked. There's been a trailer, but it, no gameplay or anything like that's been revealed yet. So. I quite like that though. Yeah, I don't. I don't need to know everything about it because no, it spoils it. No, doesn't you, it? They show too well, much, yeah. then it spoils it. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I, you know, I like to know a little bit about the game and maybe see a little bit of gameplay footage. But it's like film trailers now. They show so much of the action parts of the film. It's like, well, hold on a minute. What have you left for me to watch then? Mm, I've worked it out already. Oh, yeah. Right, okay. Yeah, that's what I mean. So, yeah. So that's uh, a bit of, bit of something to look out for. No, definitely, definitely look forward to that. Yeah. Okay, let's move on to the next part of our show where each of us share with you something we personally like. So plump up those cushions, put your feet up and relax with this episode's Sofa's Focus. So in this episode, I would like to have a discussion with you about the film Moon. Came out in 2009. Was directed by Duncan Jones, which was his very first film that he ever directed. Now, when this film first came out, I knew about it because I remember we had a discussion about it. But I was a bit wary about watching it because normally, when you get films where there's one or two actors in it, you kind of they don't turn out none too clever. And I've definitely been stung with films like that before. I think what's that um, George Clooney one? Solaris, is it? Oh yeah! Oh, yeah. what a turkey that, that is! Oh, oh, one for retro raiders, maybe. <laughs> so yeah, I was a bit hesitant about watching it, so um, I put it off for such a long time. But I finally got around to watching it, and and I am so pleased I did because what a great film! It was just not what I was expecting. It really wasn't. It was great. It, it's one of those. Uh, I was reading up on it, and um, I've seen it quite a few times, and I really like it. It's very. Uh, he was very much influenced um, by sort of seventies sci-fi movies, like your Silent Running, yeah. Alien, and Outland with with Sean Connery. And you can see it. You can see it in the pace of the film, the sets, the the special effects, because he used models rather than yeah. CGI. Yeah, and that's what grounds it in that as well but I they look good it's, it's a, the models look uh, believable oh absolutely absolutely yeah. but yeah the, the, the film stars um sam rockwell and i hadn't really seen him in anything else and, I, and the only other film that i know of that i've seen him in is iron man 2 which he's 
grating when he especially on that that scene where he's doing that like the whole expo and he comes out and he does that little dance moves on, on stage it's like he's such a great actor he really is well, he does another dance because he's also he plays Zayford Beeblebrox in in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Uh, <laughs> he, he is superb. Yeah. in that, yeah. I really like him in that. But no, he he played this part so well. He plays the part of a of a should we call well astronaut if you like Sam Bell, and um, they work for a company called Lunar Industries, which um, they build a station on the far side of the moon called Sarong Station, and they're and they're basically mining a fuel helium-3 from lunar soil and um it's worth a lot of money so, and they've kind of capitalized it and sort of like they're the only company mining it if you like and um so that's it that's basically his job to oversee the, the mining make sure it's you know working correctly um it's a supposedly a three-year contract and at the end of the three years they're supposedly meant to be able to fly home to their families and uh, the rest of it, but that's not quite true. <laughs> well, we've already said there's going to be spoilers, so yeah, we can't, we can't, not. I mean, we can't for, not. for people who have seen, people who have seen it, I mean, it, it, the whole film is just fantastic. You've got, you know, Kevin Spacey yeah. voices the 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 Gertie uh, sort of robot, but it's hanging from the ceiling. Yeah, and when you look at it, it kind of again, it it it's a representation of um, the three robots from. Silent Running, Huey, Dewey, and Louie. I mean, they it all brings this into this sort of seventies style, and you know, he. I mean, it was written for Sam Rockwell, right. specifically written for him, and uh, he he were um, Duncan Jones worked with uh, Bill uh, Pearson, who supervised the model maker model makers on Alien. Oh, okay. So he's got. So he was bringing all of that into it as well. Okay. Um, also, as well, uh, when I was watching it, and I picked this up a couple of times, the soundtrack when Sam is looking for the crashed, crashed sort of lunar rover, and there's a wide shot. You can hear the six million dollar sound effect. Oh, really? Oh, that way. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why, but you can. Oh. I don't know why it was put in there, whether it wasn't meant to be or whether it just it sounds similar rather than actually being it. Yeah. Um, I don't know. But, um, yeah, I mean, like this this three every three years. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, so. He, he He's not very well, is he? No. He's, he's not. Yeah, I think that we're going to spoil it. Why not? He's basically a, a clone of the real Sam. And their, their, their life expectancy is only three years. Um, and what ha- sounds, what that sounds familiar? <laughs> so what ha- there's obviously a better there's obviously a better model that's got four years. Uh, it's cost too much money to make a four year version. <laughs> so at the end of the three years, he starts getting hallucinations of images of you know people, and he's going out to collect one of these helium three canisters, and he starts seeing these hallucinations, which causes him to crash. Um. Gertie thinks he ain't coming back. He's disappeared. So he waits. He miraculously wakes up with no knowledge of the crash. Yeah. Not realizing that the original Sam from the beginning of the film is still in the lunar buggy crashed. This version that has woken up by Gertie is a new clone. Um, just with the implanted memories of 
the previous Sam, minus the crash. Yeah, because you, you kind of you're watching it thinking, oh, he, he got it out somehow. He managed to get him out of that crash. Yeah, and and sort of patched him up a little yeah. bit, and he, he sort of helped him a little bit. But yeah. when you see sort of um, Sam, uh, sort of hashtag one, he his body's starting to break down on him, yeah. and, he, and he's not very well. Even he's right, like he can't do his fitness reg- regime as he did, and he's he's not really hungry. He's, yeah. he's not eating like he was, and. The fact that this this you know Sam hashtag two mm-hmm. um, goes out and finds him yeah. and managed to bring him back yeah you know <laughs> the and <laughs> the interaction between the actor playing both parts is absolutely fantastic yeah. because you've got one who you know just cannot believe that that this is happening the other one's just breaking down thinking oh, I don't I don't know what's going on and and. You know the fight scene with with two of them as well yeah. is is really good. But even though they're clones um, of each other, they're completely different in a lot of ways. Yeah, the the funniest the one that got me was the ping pong game. Yeah, where, where the old one is actually beating the younger yeah. one, and um, there was a bit um, when he's he's got that <laughs> he's got that that yellow suit on. So well, thanks for that yellow suit. So it's like a a yellow um, sleeping suit yes. that he's got on, and of course the other one saying, you know, he looked like some sort of radioactive tampon with that on, or it was like mm. a banana with a yeast infection, and it's like <laughs> <laughs> taking the mick out of him with it on. And the, I think the hashtag too, you know, he's not got such a good sense of humour because no. he's literally just he's not, woke up. Yeah, so not long ago woke up. Yeah, but he does end um, up looking after him though, as 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 number one starts deteriorating number yeah. two does see that and he starts looking after him but um yeah they actually yeah. find the under the station facility where all the clones and there's like hundreds of clones uh just sleeping waiting to be you know rewoken every three years and um I've, yeah just you know you... just imagine that you know you you're doing a job and then you've suddenly realized that you're only alive for three years, and there's thousands of you waiting to take your place. Yeah, I don't think this world would could cope with thousands. It would just implode if it was me. You just <laughs> <laughs> what hope would humanity have if there's more than one of me yeah. at least? <laughs> <laughs> this so-called progress of man would take a, sh- a very deep <laughs> incline. And to all our listeners, I have to agree. <laughs> yeah, but... Did you know? Did you know that the uh, sleeping quarters in the secret room yeah. was actually because he was trying to cut down on the budget a bit. He took them from uh, an unused film from uh-huh. a set of an of an unused film. Do you know which what, what it was? I'm going to go for Alien. Huh? Red Red Dwarf. Oh, really? Yep, because nice. they was gonna they was gonna do a film at one point, so they built a couple of sets, and it never came to pass. Right. So, yeah, do you <laughs> he used them for save that. a bit of money. Yeah. Um. But yeah, as the film goes on, basically, Sam two. He's he's at the beginning of his life, so he knows he's up there for three years. He can see Sam one's dying, and Sam one keeps getting these pictures of his you know daughter and all the rest of it. So Sam two basically smuggle Sam one on the return cargo ship if you like so he can spend the rest of his days on earth 
when he's in the um, the lunar rover, and he and he makes that call, and I've got you know it, this girl is on the phone, tells her that his yeah. wife's passed, which obviously hits him pretty hard, and then he realizes, yeah. as we've all realized, well, that's his daughter, and then she says, "Well, I should know that she's passed because I'm his daughter." And then, of course, he's talking to her as if he's the real dad. And then she turns and goes, yeah. "There's some dad, there's somebody talking. And you hear the real Sam on Earth say, who's asking about that? Which is obviously his voice as well. And that's when yeah. he cuts the call. And you could see it in him. He's just like, I've had enough. I've had enough now. I don't, I don't want this. I want to go home. And it was like, oh, really? You know, he's, and he's in this very confined sort of, space I, and you could just imagine him thinking I'm not who I'm supposed to be I've just found out really that small, I it? love is, is they don't love me because they don't even know I exist and I've been lied to all this time and I'm actually dying uh, and you really feel yeah. for him feel for that character what they didn't tell you in the story is, is that when that cargo ship finally landed he was probably already dead anyway they didn't obviously show that but he didn't have a long a long left to live so and the fact, the fact that he wakes up to Chesney Hawks, I'm the one and only all yeah, the time. It's a good comedy moment, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Oh, really good. <laughs> yeah, definitely some good comedy moments in there. But uh, just overall, a, a good film, you know, where you're into sci-fi, comedy. It's just an overall great film. Yes, absolutely. Go, go watch it. Absolutely. Okay, thank you. Right, yeah, so brilliant. what have you got for us then, Steve? Well, like I said, I've been playing more um, VR games because I've upgraded my processor and I wanted to talk about the Half-Life games uh, this was a first person shooter series developed and published by Valve um, and each game that's come has had is like combined shooting, combat puzzles and and very original storytelling the, um, the original Half-Life was Valve's first product and was released 22 years ago that long ago in 1998 are we really that old? Well, I was only three when it got released. Well, yeah. 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 And um, it's had a couple of expansion packs. Uh, one was Opposing Force, and the other one was Blue Shift. So that was released in 99 and 2001, developed by Gearbox Software. Gearbox, you may know, they also ported the Half-Life to the PS2, and added a slight, a small original game attached to it, was Half-Life Decay, where you could play multiplayer with that one, or, or, or co-op. Gearbox of sort of more known for uh, Brothers in Arms and Borderlands, yeah, and also Duke Nukem Forever and Aliens, Colonial Marines, but we won't go into that. Yeah, we won't go that there. Uh, the sequel, Half Life Two, was released in two thousand four. Uh, episode one was released in two thousand six. Episode two, two thousand seven, and the brand new Half Life Alex, which is a VR game was released this year after 13 years of drought yeah which is that's set before the first half light isn't it it's it's set um just uh, just before the, the second one. Oh. Okay. so in the original half-life you uh the original name for half-life was called quiver and that's after the arrowhead military base from Stephen king's novella the mist which served quite mm. heavily as an inspiration for the game you play as gordon freeman 
who has a PhD from MIT in theoretical physics, as you could say it. (laughs) (laughs) Theoretical physics. Uh, He has the position of research associate assigned to the Anomalous Materials Laboratory. Laboratory? What the hell is that? Laboratory. Um, A scientist who must find his way out of Sector C test labs in the Black Mesa Research Facility after it's invaded by aliens. It's a pretty cliched, boring, ended up as a bargain bin game. Nah, no, no, no. It's sold, as of 2008, 9.3 million units. Which equates to that amount of time when it's released, 10 years, 2,500 units a day that's sold. I mean, obviously kept Valve afloat for a while then. It won over 50 Game of the Year awards. It was the highest grossing first person shooter of all time until it was knocked off the top spot by Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3 in 2011. So it stayed at the number one spot all that time. That's a record. The intro to the game was a first as well because it was like a transit ride through the back Black Mesa facility. And you go past machinery and rockets and helicopters, and you get yeah. to uh, <clears throat> get to where your HEV Mark IV suit. Uh, <laughs> the uh, the scientists in that who are around you will always say that the resonance cascade scenario is extremely unlikely. But of course, that's uh-huh. what that's what causes everything. Uh-huh. Um, you've got lots of different monsters and aliens that obviously get through when this this all goes wrong. And you've got head crabs, which are a little bit like face huggers from Alien. Uh, I remember that. And they I tell you what, when I get to the VR game, <laughs> yeah, they're not, yeah, they're not good. Um, every, I thought everything was pretty well balanced. The guns, even the the alien guns and everything. There's some good sections in that, which is like a conveyor belt section where you jump from one to the other. And yeah. there's, a, there's a blast pit section where you're fighting a, a like a tentacle monster, but it only reacts yeah. to sound. Now that oh. that'll crop up a little bit later as well. So that was really original. Whereas, you know, you, you had to sneak past it or chuck grenades over to a different part to make it go over, you know, to a different part of the, the set. Um, you're then transported to an alien world. You have to defeat a couple of monsters. Then you end up meeting somebody called G-Man who offers you a job if you step into this portal. Is that the older man? That's right. Now, he's seen yeah. about eight times in Half-Life in all different yeah. businesses. So if you look across and while you're in the transit... Uh, train section at the start you see him as, as he goes past and you go oh uh, and but in Half-Life 2 he's seen about 15 times yeah. so he's in different variants so he's obviously watching you uh, and that's the end and then finally he gets Half-Life 2 you you return as Gordon Freeman and the story is set 20 years after the original so you start off with a little pep talk from the G-Man and a little short train journey into City 17 uh, which is like um, so Earth has now been sort of occupied by the Combine which is a, a trans-dimensional race that's exploited the events in the first game and they've taken over from the police and army and created like a, a totalitarian state right. and which again is setting up this really good sort of 70s post-apocalyptic uh, mm. against all the you know companies sort of thing this game had some really good physics it started off with the fact that you could pick anything up. So you're yeah, right at the start you're asked to pick a can up and put it in the bin. Yeah, I remember I that. didn't pick I didn't put it in the bin, I threw it at the combine and hit him in the head. 
and then he electrocuted me. <laughs> so <laughs> it suddenly opened up this freedom of being able to do whatever you want with anything that's in the game. And towards, uh, you know, as you're going through the game, you get what's called the gravity gun, which meant you could pull things that were further away from you towards you. Yeah. And, and then throw them again exactly, as well. Exactly, and fire them out, yeah. yeah. Uh, there were some lovely settings. It was like an Eastern European setting, and I loved the, the sound of the echo of the gunfire and the explosions when you're fighting the combine, you know, be it in when they're on their own or if they're in vehicles or helicopters or all that sort of stuff. There were some great um, uh, driving sequences with like an airboat, bit like the Florida yeah. Keys and all that with the, yeah. the prop at the back and, and the buggy when you was driving it on the sand dunes. I remember that bit, yeah, I definitely remember that you bit. Get, that was hard yeah, as hell. Yeah, you get the ant lines coming up and the ant lines are very much like the um, uh, the smaller creatures from Starship Troopers. You know, yes. that they was very good. Yeah. Um, and also with Half-Life, I mean it was a little bit in Half-Life but more in Half-Life 2 for me it brought in a lot more of the horror there was dark you know you had your torch and there was these head yeah, crabs jump out of, yes yeah. and they'd yeah. come out yeah. um, Half-Life 2 that won over 35 Game of the Year awards it sold 6.5 million units but then you had the orange box, orange box come out uh, and that raised it to 9.5 million so the orange box yeah. had obviously Half Life Two, but also Episode One, Episode Two, uh, yeah. and a couple of other games with it as well, like Portal. Which brings us to Half Life Alex, the VR have you game. Played that now, and I've nearly finished it. Have you? I haven't. Pl- I've not played it yet. It's 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 unbelievable. It it. I've I've heard it's probably one of the best VR experiences there has been to date. It is. It takes place five years before the events of Half Life Two. It involves the character Alex, which is from Half Life Two. So you're getting to you. You are actually her, and you play as her, and you're fighting the Combine, and you're trying to get to like a giant vault in the sky containing a super weapon. Um, it's quite funny the way in the first week of release, modders had already made it so it could be played as a pancake game, even though it is meant to be VR and VR. And oh, VR. really? Yeah, because obviously they couldn't wait or they didn't like the fact that it was VR. Yeah. Like, I want to play it. Yeah. Play the, it. the non-VRers out there. <laughs> <laughs> Shame on you. The the graphics are near, if not feels like photorealistic graphics. Yeah, so I've seen it. It does look good. The settings are unbelievable. And... Like I said earlier on, the head crabs when they're jumping at you, not fun. Oh, it's scary, is it? <laughs> well, especially when they come out of certain places, and the fact that you can open cupboards and fridges, and you you just think, right, is something going to come out at me if I just open it yeah. a little bit <laughs> <laughs> and then sort of step back? <laughs> How do the controls work? Because like with a lot of the VR games, when you know where there's a lot of grabbing and and pulling things or not, it it tends to kind of like be a little bit hit or miss whether you've actually grabbed hold of the object or you know what what's that kind of thing like well you you can grab you can actually physically well, say physically you can actually pick things up with your hands but what you're given quite early on in the story is gravity gloves which right. takes over from the gravity gun and right. you can actually um there's there's a very thin orange line that comes out and attaches to certain things and you can then pull them to your hand and it works really well oh, because okay. because the technology was there for the gravity gun it it kind of makes sense that you would have this and yeah. the ability to do that with your hands really kind of makes sense and 
the fact that you put spare magazines behind you, you can hold uh, around about three different guns. So at the moment, I've got like a handgun, um, uh, a combine sort of machine gun, and a, a shotgun, plus like a tool which is a similar to like a Doctor Who screwdriver type thing that can do all different stuff. Uh, the guns you can upgrade because when you're walking around the, the sets you pick up bits uh, the little round discs that are like resin and you collect them and they can be hidden anywhere and that's what you use to upgrade your guns in in certain combine machines the the hud is 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 on your gloves so whenever you're holding a gun it will actually reflect how many bullets are actually in the gun on the gun but also oh. on your glove on your other hand refle reflects how many you're holding in total uh, and nice. you can only hold four magazines uh, the fact is you can actually hold as well certain things uh, sort of in your hand so to speak so they're just behind your wrist and you can just drop them in but you can only hold one thing so like a hand grenade rather than you holding the hand grenade you can actually put it behind your hand so you can still actually do stuff but uh, have that have that there like stuck to it kind of yeah. like a velcro kind yeah. of thing so it sort yeah. of shrinks it just behind your hand oh, okay. that works yeah. really well because there's only a certain amount you can actually hold Yeah. now I'm only playing this on story mode because I wanted to really enjoy the story before getting into the nitty gritty and I've died a few times but more through my own stupidity uh, so it would be nice to, to play it again to see whether you get more enemies or they're just harder to kill or there's less resources for you to pick up. Right. There's one uh, setting which is quite good that has a mutated uh, person called Jeff who's mm. like half plant, half you know soldier. And he can only hunt by sound. So there's that um. nice little link to the yeah. tentacle monster in the very first game and he is very good it's a little bit like maybe not so much but a little bit like alien isolation where if you make a noise the alien will come after you and know where you are but to a certain extent you could make a noise and then run and hide and it'd be all right but or you can chuck any sort of thing you can pick up chuck it and chuck it to a different destination and it will roar and go over there and look at it right and there's certain bits where you have to lure him into certain parts to trap him to then do other bits. It's very, the uh, puzzles are very good, very good, you know, and they're very moulded around the VR type of thing. So it's, as I say, I, I've yeah. loved, always loved these games. I've loved the original Half Life. Half Life Two was was unbelievable, and I think one of my best games. It was my favourite game ever. Yeah. Certainly, Half Life Alex is as good as I haven't finished it yet. I'm not going to say it's better, but is it a full length game though? Because like a lot of the time with VR games, they're more of a like an experience or a more of a like tech technical showcase rather than a full full game. Uh, I'm not too. And they like only tend to last like you know half an hour, an hour or so. No, no. This this I've been playing this for quite a while now. Uh, I'm not too sure of the total length, but obviously depending on how you play it. You know, if yeah. you're just going to rush through yeah. it, you'll probably finish it in, I don't know, probably like any game, really. seven hours or something like that. Whereas, yeah. I think this is this is around about between a 15, maybe a 10 to 20 hour game, depending on how okay. you play it. That's pretty and, good, then. And, um, yeah, so it, it's been classed as a triple A. I mean, Valve said they were working on triple A games, three, for VR. Uh, there's a digital book comes out that's coming out that's um, on 
Steam that that is a story of how Alex came about and the other two are still on the back burner. Right. Because the biggest team ever at Valve worked on this game. So, and you can see, it's so well, it's so polished, the the visuals are unbelievable. Everything feels quite nicely balanced and it still blows me away now when I when I look at certain stuff you know to, yeah. to, to think of how far we've come because yeah. that's definitely raised the bar then by the sounds oh, of it because absolutely. even though a lot you know a lot of VR games still now you know they don't look great to be honest with you um, but yeah maybe it took for a big company like that to come along and say look this is what can be done why aren't other companies doing it? Basically, well, hopefully this this will bring more people into VR because it's not that expensive yeah. to to no. get into VR now. It no. used to be, but I mean, with so many different headsets on the market now, you can choose which one and go straight into Steam and start playing. I mean, yeah. and, and um, the difference. I mean, I've got this whack right up to the to the to the epic sort of settings, but other people have said when they've got it, when they put it on the lower settings, it still looks just as good. Okay. So, but you've you've obviously got like sun rays coming in and stuff like that. I mean, it just adds a little bit to it. But people have played it thinking, "Oh, this is really good," and then realise that they haven't got it on the higher settings. They've still got it on the lower ones, uh, and yet they're still saying how good it looks. Oh yeah, that's good then. Yeah, about time. About time. As I say, this it's a nice compliment to the whole Half Life game series, and hopefully, there's many more to come. Uh, but uh, yeah, it just remind being able to play it recently has rekindled my love for the whole series right from the very yeah. first one. Even watching some of the videos of, of uh. people playing it, and and I just remember when I first played it, and I was gobsmacked. Each game as I've been gobsmacked when I've been playing it to think, oh, oh my good. god, how far have we come? So yeah, yeah, that's definitely one I'll add to my list then. Okay, so at last. It's time to lift up and look under those cushions and find out what's been lost for a few years in Retro Raiders. So, come on in. What you got for us this yeah. time? Have we got a film for you? Have we got a film for you? Now, I know this is definitely one of Steve's favourite sci-fi films and... Yeah, it's one of mine too. And we're going to talk about the excellent The Fifth Element. No, I don't know what you mean. <laughs> Never heard of it. What you I'm about? waiting for the sequel to Sixth <laughs> Element, personally. <laughs> right, I've got a little bit of info. So it came out in 1997, which, to be honest with you, if you were to watch the film today, it's quite unbelievable because some of the special effects still hold up. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, directed by Luc Besson, uh, famous French director. Do you have to say that with a French accent? I, yeah, I, I do. Think you do. I do. Yeah, it don't, you say Luc Besson, it doesn't quite sound right. So you have to go Besson. Luc Besson. He <laughs> <laughs> can't help it. No, you can, it just rolls off, doesn't it? It just rolls off. So yeah, very much uh, one of his best films. I think he's, he's done some great films. He's done Leon and. You know, it, wait, it, Valerium. It, it, Valerium was another good film that didn't get good reviews, but I, I like that film. Maybe that's another another one for the future. For us to talk about. Uh, yeah, I'm, I, I like Valerian. I mean, I, I loved his, his, his early ones, like Le Femme Nikita, you know, and stuff like that. And, yeah, and, uh, the, yeah, even yeah. the family with Robert De Niro is really good. Yeah, 
and yeah. uh, Lucy, I really like that. And like I say, yeah, I like Valeria, but um, yeah, th- this one uh, sticks out. I yeah. think as one of his his best ones. Yeah, definitely. Uh, especially you know when you've got the the costumes were di- uh, designed by uh, Jean Jean Paul Gaultier, <laughs> yeah, the, uh, and there were some weird designs in there. The production design as a whole is like so in your face it's unbelievable must have cost millions those <laughs> some of those costumes but it's like the guns and everything have got spikes oh, no. sticking out of them and anyway oh, no. Yeah, no, no, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah starring bruce willis who plays the excellent character of corbin dallas he's a taxi driver in the future with finally flying cars when are they coming <laughs> well come on when are where are they where are they yeah you haven't even got to self-driving cars yet. It's coming, but not yet. Uh, but yeah, he plays a uh, a taxi driver in the future. Um, but basically, the film is about a, a an alien race. Um, they're known as I've got the name here. They're known as the Mondo Shawans, if I'm saying that correctly. Yes. I'm not sure if I'm saying that correctly, but basically, they're a, they're an ancient race. And they have this weapon called the Fifth Element, which is activated by four stones of elements, of the different elements like water, fire, wind, earth, earth. Yeah, yeah. I had to think them for a second. <laughs> <clears throat> and um, basically, you just they, they come... earth, wind, and fire. I thought, hang on, there's something missing. There. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the film the film starts. I think uh, it's, it's set in like 1914 uh, Egypt, where um, you know there's a, a a priest that basically is their go-to man on on earth who his job is to look after this weapon um but they come down and take it and but they promise that they will have it back in the safe hands on on earth or whenever it's needed to be activated again but they come down get it and off it goes Uh, and then you fast forward into the long distant future i think is it 2263 i think we end up in and they're on their way with returning the weapon when they get attacked and they're basically their ship gets completely blown up to smithereens and all that survives of the weapon is a hand which takes us to a really cool sequence and when i first saw this sequence i thought oh the cg and it was just great never mind the, the woman that played the part but that the, the cg just rebuilding this the music as well, I think, that goes with it. It's yeah. the whole thing. Yeah. It's rebuilding this fifth element weapon in this chamber um, and the different processes it takes. Who's the chap who does it, though? Who's the. Who's oh, the, the board did the book. Actor oh. Christopher Fairbank. He's in so. He's got kind of pitted many, face. Yes, so many. Yes. I mean, because he was in Batman. You know, yeah. what are you? You know, that sort of thing. And it is, it's, yeah. it's, he plays the broker in Guardians of the Galaxy really, really well. Yeah. He, he's in yeah. so many different things. It's unbelievable. Yeah. And So they, they managed to reconstruct the weapon. Um, basically, there's been a new threat to Earth. It's like in the shape of a ball planet. Big black ball planet. <laughs> yeah. And... Um, it's managed to get in communication with the other great actor, Gary Oldman, who plays Jean-Baptiste Emmanuel Zorg. <laughs> what, what and uh, he's, yeah. And basically, this um, this entity is after the four stones because without the four stones, the fifth element, the weapon, cannot be activated. So he basically says to Zorg, 
get me these stones, no matter what, get me these stones. So the film is kind of goes on the basis of Zorg's after the four stones and the fifth element weapon who happens to fall into Bruce Willis's taxi cab. It's all about her getting her to Earth with the four stones to reactivate her to save the Earth to basically do away this entity that's threatening Earth's existence. You see, other people. I mean, Ian Home is fantastic anyway. I mean, you got yeah, you've got, Robert gone now. You've got you've got Luke Perry. He's gone now. He's gone. Brian James. He's gone. Brian James was very famous out of Enemy Mine and and Blade Runner. Yeah. yeah. So, but you so many good actors yeah, in this film. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but there's people that sort of pop out of you know John Neville. He was yeah. uh, from um, uh, Baron Munchausen. He, he plays the chap yeah. who gets gets killed right at the start, and <laughs> not forgetting Lee Evans. Yeah. <laughs> Lee Evans in it. But uh, it, the the Jar Jar Binks of Fifth Element has to be Chris Tucker. Yeah, as Ruby Rod. Ruby Rod. Yeah. <laughs> now, when that when the film first came out, and the first couple of times I saw that, I don't know that that character annoyed me. It just wound me up. But as I don't know whether I've got old as I've got older or what. But now I watch it. But he's one of my favourite yeah. characters, isn't it? Is it even <laughs> right? Right at, the, right at the end, it's like I, I, I don't have a light. If if I knew I was going to, I would get a light. I'd have a... <laughs> Yeah, and the look on his face as well <laughs> at the end sequence, and that, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, what what a great what a great actor. If we go, if we like, take a big step, go right back to the start when you've got the the chappy who's obviously been waiting outside with a picture of the hallway on his head because yeah. as as uh, Bruce Willis opens the door and he's there with his gun, he's give, yeah. give me the cash, give me the cash, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and he does that little dance when he takes the gun off of him. Every Everybody has got such a lovely. I don't know. It's something about every single character has something, yeah. and it's such a a colourful, quite funny film. But and I think that's what some people don't get sometimes because it's like a science fiction action comedy. Yeah, you know, you, you've got which literally is, got the Brian. Some, which is strange from Bruce Willis because. Um, I mean, he's not really known for comedy too much. No, is he? and he and he and he doesn't really do it much in here, really. You know, no. he may have done a little bit of comedy in Red, but even that sort of yeah. bit tongue in cheek. But you know, he's just John McClane in space, really. In this, he's he's not really pushing it that far, yeah. but we still love him in it. Yeah. Um, I mean, Gary Oldman's chewing the scenery like anything, but uh, I think he he done that. Um, because I think Luke Besson helped to fund. No, his... you said that wrong, Steve. You said that wrong. That? It's not. You said Luke Besson. No, you said it wrong. I'm sorry. <laughs> Luke Besson. <laughs> That's better. <laughs> Luke Besson. He, he funded um, Neil by Mouth. Yeah. Which was obviously Gary Oldman's film, and I think that's Gary Oldman done this as a favour to Luke Besson uh, yeah. to actually play it because a lot of people say, well, "Why? Why did you?" why did you choose this character and you could see at the time I suppose it was very weird for him to do something mm. like that but now to be a part of it must be pretty cool to yeah. think you know I he brought I mean when he's showing off the guns and all that yeah. sort of thing with the with the flamethrowers and all that you know my, and the limp he had as my well favorite. that's my favourite yeah <laughs> yeah. he used to walk with a limp and yeah. he used to have that clink. metal clang sound yeah <laughs> clink clink and the plastic head thing on his on his head, <laughs> and the, the, the Southern American accent. You know, what a lot of people don't realise is 
He's British. Well, yeah. <laughs> and he puts on that Southern American accent and yeah. Absolutely perfect. Yeah. It was in the it seemed yeah. like when he's he's talking to him, it's like a, is it a cherry pip or something? Something gets stuck in his yeah, throat. Stuck in his like... throat. Yeah. <laughs> he's pressing all these buttons because yeah. he's got all these like uh, monsters and machines to clear up after him. All looking at him like, Oh, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. There was a couple of bits. I mean, uh, the the diva, the diva scene, the 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 sort of opera singing. That's yeah. that's really good. I mean, that took like three hours of makeup every single time, and that yeah. was uh, Luc Besson's uh, fiance at the time. I was going to say, was that his wife? Yes. Yeah. 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 And um, it was. I think he, but he he, he later married Mila Jojovich about seven oh, seven months after the premiere. Yeah. Huh. Uh, because she wasn't originally meant to be the diva, it was going to be some sort of model that suddenly just disappeared two days before they was going to start shooting it. So she had to come in and and, and, right. and fill in for it. And uh, inter- interestingly enough, literally today I watched some raw footage of the entire uh, like concert because it was actually it was actually a concert in somewhere in London. I can't remember the name of the theatre, but they. They actually had it, so she came out on stage to all these people that had never seen oh. her before. They didn't know what they was they was going to see or listen to. So right. a lot of their reactions and and the fact that she came out and just her gasps and and, and everything at the yeah. time. Uh, and then it was filmed again with her against like a green screen uh, at yeah. Pinewood Studios to obviously get the the, the close ups. But she'd done quite a long. Uh, song and, and really put a lot of work into it and was a little bit miffed that it got cut up so much because also oh, it's actually in the final cut it's a lot shorter is well, it? there's a lot of the, it cuts to fight scenes of Mila Jovovich oh, it does, doesn't yeah. fight and they're like dog yeah. things, sort of dog uh, characters yeah. and um, she was a bit miffed first of all that she's well, I put so much work into this and now it's just going to be it's, you know nobody's going to see it but that is one of the the most famous scenes of the film. Yeah. Because of how she's Such a, yeah. a great I mean, sound. She, she doesn't sing; she's she's miming somebody else's singing. But her yeah. her performance and and how it's cut into the film is obviously one of the, the what everybody sort of brings up. Yeah, you know, when when they yeah. see it, so she did. She 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 done really well with that, and uh, she yeah, had. Of course, she's. If you do get a cool. chance, look for it on YouTube because she doesn't do many interviews, and this right. chappy is the first time that she'd actually talked about it. Yeah. I wonder if it because now that the, the fifth element is um, finally on pre-order on the UK iTunes store. It's been on the US store for quite a while, and um, you know, which, which I, I own a copy. But for the UK one, it was on there years ago, then got taken off. I don't know if it was a rights issue, but you just told me literally the other day that it's back on there now for pre-order. Yeah. I wonder if it's going to have any iTunes extras with it, and it'll have things like that in it. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, that sometimes. You know, you can find out a lot more. There might be just like a, a, a literal thirty-second clip on YouTube that they yeah. probably won't put on there because, again, from a rights issue or there's, there's yeah. more stuff you can find on YouTube, and and uh, and that surprised me because I, I was watching it and it suddenly came up and I thought, actually, yeah, I've never seen her without the makeup on. I've only ever seen no, her. I've, in the film. I've never seen her. No, I don't. I haven't got a clue what she and, looks like. And um, it was interesting getting her side of the, the the story of how long it took and what she went through. I mean, she she for three months she was practicing, you know, word perfect the the actual song, and I think that's what she was getting at is the fact that so much was cut out or, you mm. know, interspersed with this fighting scene. But that's that's what sort of makes it because it goes with the music as well. Yeah, especially when it goes a bit more sort of like into the dancey section because that's when the fighting starts, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, and, and I also wonder yeah. though is the fact that obviously her scene is is interspersed with 
a particular person who then ended up marrying her fiance anyway. So maybe there was a little bit of yeah, <laughs> a bit, a bit, bit of bad blood, there. but yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah. but um, no, she was very nice in the in the. She obviously moved on, and she was nice in the interview and stuff. So really is. I think Luke Besson as well. He he created the the language that Lilu and that speak. Oh yeah, really? So they was they said on the multipass. Well, they said on the on the set that they would they would communicate together using this language. Right. So, so she could get used to it. Well, speaking it kind depending of depending what they were talking about. Because oh, seven months yeah. later they got together. Yeah, <laughs> they yeah. could obviously use yeah. this complete new language that he'd come up with. All down to the multipass. Little multipass. Uh, the it holds the record uh, as well, still to this day, of the biggest explosion on a soundstage, and that's obviously when they're in right. the like the, the dining room, like the yeah, uh, I can't remember the bit where obviously he chucks the the the, the, the stick mic, thing yeah, and it sticks into the ceiling it. and stuff, yeah. yeah. So and there was quite a few. There's the one where the uh, in not like a train station, but in like a, a space station type place where they're all boarding where the multipass was when that explosion goes off you see one of the stuntmen engulfed in flames because he got his timing Ooh. wrong he oh, was okay nasty. but it, it was pretty close so yeah. you can see him literally just get engulfed in the flames before he manages to jump out of the way yeah great great film um which kind of like when i heard that valerian was coming out i got quite excited about it so i thought because you know luke besson hasn't um gone back to the sci-fi genre since Element, so there was a lot of excitement about around the Valerian. Um, yeah, it's still, I still liked it. I, I thought that film was good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was trying to think actually how, what sort of um, reception. I don't think it did too well. No, that, that's what I was thinking. Because again, it was it because it was a bit sort of not confusing, but people didn't get the fact that it was it was trying to be funny as well. Mm. Um, yeah. It's described as elaborate, even campy sci-fi extravaganza, which is nearly as hard to follow as last year's Mission Impossible. Didn't really find no. Mission Impossible that difficult. So Me either. no. Uh, again, when it when it's when it comes to critics, watch it. Your, I think watch they watch your, a different film. I was say watch it yourself. I mean, yeah, they I they they moan when somebody tries to do something different, and this is different. Uh, and then moan when they get a sequel. So you can't win. Yeah. You either do something no. completely different, and they go, well, "No, I don't think you've really got it there." And then you do no, I, I, a sequel, I, and they I go, think, "Oh no, another one." Yeah, well, I think a job of a critic is to bash a film, basically, that, because very rarely do they have anything nice to say about any film. No, no, and they just get and they get paid for it and just slag it off. And, and how they yeah, how they get so to go like. and see a new another one, I don't know, but. Uh, no. Yeah, I, I never go with any of the critic stuff. I'd rather watch it myself, and if I like it, great. If I don't, well, but it's, it's not much I don't like. So. No, no. So right, well, let's get down to the, uh, the cushion count. Cushion for this count. One. Okay, we've sort of worked out a um, a, new, a new sort of cushion award for this. Uh, the score is going to be out of uh, zero to ten cushions. So a score of 0-4 gets you a very dirty, sticky, half-chewed, toffee-covered-in-fluff excuse of a cushion. 4.5 to 7 cushions gets you an old, ripped, tatty cushion that, with a little TLC, is more comfy than you thought. 7.5 to 9 cushions gets you a nice silver-covered cushion which has the groovy tassels on each corner. And 10 cushions gets you the gold velvet cushion. 
have you believe you're snuggled into the warm lap of a Wookiee. Uh, <laughs> I can think so, of no better place. <laughs> when I first saw it, I, I, I would say I would give it a five when I first saw it. Uh, I went to the cinema to see it, actually. Um, now, I would give it... Well, that's got to be a five, isn't it? Because <laughs> again, you kept, me, you kept me hanging a bit there. <laughs> everything's good. Everything's so good. It's a, it's a bit of a, a sort of sci-fi raiders, because yeah. it's got a good leading man, but also somebody who can take the Mickey about. It. So it's it's one of those films that has all different levels for me. It's good action, you know. It's a good story that I like, but there's a little bit of comedy, you know, like yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy. There's that in it as well. So yeah, yeah definitely a five cushions for me. Ooh. Ooh. Um, yeah, yeah. When I first saw it, it was like, yeah, I can believe it. It was one of my one of my favourite films at the time, and um, definitely got the five five cushions back then. And um, every time it comes on, you know, I can't wait for it to come out on the YouTube YouTube YouTube, YouTube? and it comes out on the iTunes store because I know I'll be watching it again and again. It's just one of those films. It's like the the Star Wars films. So whenever they appear or or you know. They might come up on on TV, whatever. You just end up sitting there watching it, and it's like the next thing you know, an hour's passed, and it's like you're only meant to like, tune into it for like five minutes. And <laughs> it's one of those kind of films where you know you, you sit down, and it might be on, no matter what how far into the film it is, you end up sitting there watching the rest of it. So it's just one of those films where it doesn't get old. So yeah, for me, it's it's got to get the five five cushions as well. Wow, so that's that's ten cushions. Gets, uh, it gets the gold <laughs> velvet covered cushion that would you have you believe you're snuggled into the warm lap of a Wookiee. <laughs> Very nice. Okay, thanks for listening. We both hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please subscribe so you never miss a new episode and a review on iTunes would be much appreciated. You can also contact us via our email address, which is dtbots77 at gmail.com and our Twitter account, which is at dtbots. So that's D-T-B-O-T-S, down the back of the sofas. We can also be found on Podbeam, which hosts our website as well as our Facebook page. A thank you goes out to my sister-in-law Summer for creating a lovely artwork for the show and more coming definitely and at last but no means least a big thank you to my daughter Maisie and my nephew Harrison for providing the numerous movie quotes in our theme tune so is there anything else you want to close off with us? Funny you should say that because our next episode we have another special coming up no spoilers as of yet but who's to say we might not appear may appear on Facebook what it might be dun 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 yeah, but yeah. If you enjoyed the, uh, the the Rambo special, which we had great fun recording that, then yeah, we've got something really, really special lined up for you on the next episode. So yeah, cool. going to be great. Okay, so it's goodbye from me, and a very goodbye from me. Station.